Amen. Well, I hope you all had good Christmases, to say the least. And uh, ours was a little different this year, as I'm sure yours was. And a lot of people across the nation have lamented the fact that their Christmas was not like the previous ones. They weren't gathered together with family. But I noticed a number of things this Christmas season that I usually notice every year, every uh, time that we celebrate Christmas. The reactions to Jesus all vary. Look with me, if you will, at Matthew 2. The Bible talks about the wise men, or the magi, and their visit. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi, or wise men from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Reactions to Jesus. Well, Herod wanted to go and worship Jesus, right? Boy, was he a politician or what? <laughs> Truly, Herod found out that there was a born king. You notice that he was told by the Magi or the wise men that there was a born king in Israel. Now, Herod was not one who came from royalty. He was appointed. He was not a born king. And Herod was not a stable person. He was extremely paranoid, extremely suspicious, and anybody who threatened his throne. To the extent that when he inquired about where this child was born, and knowing that the Magi escaped a different route and didn't come back and report to Herod, the Bible says in verse 16, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years of age and under. And in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. So here... Reactions to Jesus. Sometimes we have animosity, hostility, outright 
just uh, hostile behavior, activity. We, we saw it 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born. We see it today, 2,000 years later, not only in our country, unfortunately, but also in our world. We see elements and entities out there and individuals who would love to wipe Christianity off the face of the earth. They would love to see any reference about Jesus removed from the public forum. They would love to see everything concerning Jesus eliminated from this particular Christmas season. Call it something else. Take Christ out of Christmas. Call it a winter solstice. Call it anything you want to. But whatever you do, they say, don't call it Christmas. King Herod, just to give you an idea about the kind of man that was there. He was called Herod the Great. He was half Jewish and he was half Idumean or Edomite, which meant that the Jewish side of him wanted to tell the people that I'm one of you, I'm ruling over you, but I'm actually one of you, and that Idumean part of him said, I will defy anybody that defies me and will wipe them out. And so he ruled with an iron fist as the Roman Empire did. He was appointed governor in 47 B.C. by the Roman government. And in 40 B.C. he was given the title king and reigned until 4 B.C. He was called the king of the Jews. He was got the tag Herod the Great for restoring peace to the area and being a great builder, which he was. He built quite a few beautiful towns around Jerusalem as well as the Temple of Jerusalem. He was appointed king and was not born into royalty. Because of his paranoia and his being suspicious of anyone or anything that appeared to be a threat to his throne, he was not one that was willing to give up his power nor his prestige for any person whatsoever. He murdered his wife, Mary Amney. He murdered her mother, Alexandra. He murdered his oldest son, Antipater, and two other sons, Alexander and Aristobulus, because he felt that all of them were in some guise Threats to his throne, threats to his power, threats to his kingdom. Augustus Caesar, the Roman emperor, said it was safer to be Herod's pig than to be Herod's son. That's not good if you're in his family line. When Herod retired to Jericho, he ordered that the most distinguished citizens of Jericho would be arrested on trumped-up charges and imprisoned. Upon his death, these citizens would be executed to guarantee that there would be tears and sadness on the day of his death. So you wonder, some of you who read this account of his, you wonder why he ordered the, the uh, killing of boys two years of age and younger in the Bethlehem region? No, I don't wonder that at all. Not only was there animosity among political figures, but also among the religious leaders. They were political figures too. Uh, Ananias and Caiaphas and, and the high priest and all the other priests and, and the Sanhedrin, those that had any kind of political power 
whatsoever, though it had been given to them through King Herod by the Roman government, they too were very, very adamant about not letting anything, including the Messiah, to come in and ripple the waters of their uh, power structures. Well, they were afraid Jesus would interfere with their lives, their power, their prestige, their positions. They did not want the status quo disturbed. Today in our country, we see everywhere around us where the status quo has been disturbed by this Jesus. Why can't we just sing some Christmas songs? And then why can't it just be secular? Why can't we call it a winter festival? Why can't we call it Festivus? Why can't we call it anything we want to? Why does it have to be Christmas? And why does it have to be Christian? And they understand this hostility we do uh, toward Christ. You know, it was some years ago when Adolf Hitler was trying to do the same things that's being done in America today uh, with Christmas. When Hitler rose to power in Germany, he wanted to take over the German church and dictate the nation's religion. Falsely accusing clergymen of various crimes, he had churchmen arrested and religious publications stopped. He encouraged marriage ceremonies to be conducted by state officials rather than by the church. In 1935, he outlawed obligatory prayer in schools and tried to replace Bibles with Nazi propaganda. Haven't seen that played out, have we? He had greater difficulty with the religious holidays because Germans had faithfully observed Easter and Christmas for centuries. So he set out to reinterpret their meaning. Easter then became a holiday heralding the arrival of spring. And Christmas was turned into a pagan festival. Carols and nativity plays were banned from the schools in 1938. And even the name Christmas was changed to Yuletide. I hate to tell you, history does repeat itself. And so there is that antagonism, that animosity that, that is displayed during the Christmas season toward Christians, toward Christmas, toward ultimately Jesus Himself. Well, secondly, there's that apathy. You know, I'm reminded about the woman in the elevator uh, who I heard some time ago that was Christmas shopping with her two boys. After many hours of walking down row after row after row of toys, and after hours upon hours hearing her children saying that they wanted everything on the toy shelves, she finally made it to the store elevator with two children in hand and all of the bags of presents that she had purchased. She was feeling what so many of us feel during the holiday season time of the year, getting that perfect gift for every single person on our shopping list. Overwhelming pressure to go to every party, every housewarming, and taste all the holiday food and treats, making sure we don't forget anyone on our card list. And the pressure of making sure we respond to everyone who sent us a card. 
Finally, the elevator doors opened, revealing a crowd in the car. She pushed her way in and dragged her two kids and all of her bags of stuff with her into the elevator car. As the doors closed, she couldn't take it anymore. And blurted out, whoever started this whole Christmas thing should be found, strung up, and shot. A voice in the back of the elevator responded, don't worry, we've already crucified him. The rest of the trip down the elevator was pretty quiet. So we find this situation at this season as we are taking down the decorations in the days yet to come and putting, boxing them away and storing the memories of this Christmas time. Sometimes we look back on it and we think, you know, it just doesn't, sometimes it doesn't seem the warmth that it once did. The, the movies seem to be more secular. They seem to be more careful about mentioning Jesus Christ and making sure that he has been edited out of the scripts. Hostility. Well, secondly, there's that apathy that comes. Lamentations 1.12 says, Is it nothing to you all that pass by? And I think one of the things that's most difficult for any of us to deal with is indifference, apathy. It's one thing to deal with hostility because we know that's an emotion. It's another thing to deal with love. That's an emotion. But apathy, indifference, yeah, it's a flat line. There's nothing you can say or do to, to encourage somebody out of apathy unless they desire to be encouraged out of it. Apathy. You see, Bethlehem was only five miles from Jerusalem. And it's as though that Jerusalem never even paid any attention to the birth of Jesus. They were continuing on with their religious activities, their services. They were going on with, with their, their busy work schedules and, and the, trying to find enough food to feed their family and eking out a, a daily living as best they could. And you see, like today, 2,000 years later, it wasn't so much that they were just simply evil people and missed the Christmas glory because of their evil natures. No, they missed the Christmas glory because they simply were not looking for it. And that's the issue with apathy. And that's the issue with so many people today. They missed the, the glory of Christmas simply not because they're just so evil, but because they're just not looking for it. When you celebrated Christmas this year, were you looking to see the founder of Christmas? Were you really looking for Jesus? Or were you just content in singing the songs, abiding by the lights, the decorations, now that it's over, the bills are coming in and you're back to that bah, bah humbug experience again. So, what was your Christmas like? Were you, was it more hostile to Christians and, and Christianity in general? To Jesus ultimately? Was it more apathetic? I really don't care. You want to you wanna celebrate? Go ahead. I, I just don't want anything to do with it. I'll just stay right here. Thank you. When you were invited to the worship service, to a Christmas Eve service. 
what was your response? I just don't want anything to do with it. Perhaps. I, I'm good. I'll just stay here. I'm, you're going to turn a deaf ear to every person who even mentions the name of Jesus during this Christmas season. Hmm. Well, then there was that adoration. Herod said he wanted to go worship Jesus. We all know that's, that was a lie. The Bible says in verse 3, when king heard that there was a born king, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. When Herod ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. They were all disturbed with him. Every one of them in Jerusalem because they knew when Herod uh, was on a roll, he was uh, really on a roll and heads would roll at that particular point. So Jerusalem was concerned. We all get concerned when people in leadership positions don't defer to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We all get concerned when people who have the power to enact rules and regulations over its citizens citizens, that we become concerned along with other people because they're not happy. They're not happy people. They're not happy in who they are. They're not happy with life in general. And they begin to take actions that involve us in their unhappiness. Well, there was adoration. The Bible says they went their way. The wise men, the star had seen when it rose, went ahead of them till it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Not at the star. We had the star of Bethlehem before uh, this past week. And it wasn't that we were overjoyed with the star of Bethlehem. I was overjoyed with the, the star of Bethlehem, Jerusalem, and the entire universe, Jesus Christ. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. That's the source of their joy was Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. They were overwhelmed with adoration. Well, the wise men sought the Son of God. Elizabeth and Zechariah, the Bible says, they proclaimed when they saw Jesus, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because He has come to His people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David. Mary, the mother of Jesus, said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. The shepherds, the Bible says, returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Simeon, upon entering into the temple and and seeing Jesus, says, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and a glory of your people, Israel. Oh, adoration. That is the hallmark of you and I as followers of Jesus Christ for this Christmas season. Everything about us should be in adoration. And what did these kings give? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We know the symbols there. Gold, which is a a gift which is perfectly fitting for a king. Frankincense is is that sweet-smelling aroma that is used in the priestly sacraments. So it's a fit 
gift for a priest. Then there's myrrh. Myrrh was used, it's a gummy substance that was used for the binding of grave clothes for the preparation of the dead. Myrrh. So they recognized him as, as king of kings, as the, the ultimate priest, as Hebrews talks about. He who replaced the line of Melchizedek to become the high priest who has access to the Father. And then there he was the one that was born to die. Gifts that were appropriate. They gave him themselves. They returned to their country by another route, by another way. When you encounter Jesus Christ, you're going to return a different way. You're going to walk a different path. You're going to be uh, a person who has come to know Christ intimately and personally and whose life has been changed from inside out, not outside in. All of a sudden, your countenance changes. Your heart changes. Your attitude changes. Birds chirp louder and sweeter than they've ever done. The flowers look prettier. The sky is bluer. Things change. And we walk a different way when we truly encounter Jesus Christ. Now, my question to you this morning is simply this. When you think or pray or talk to your family, your friends, your neighbors, what's their reaction to Jesus? I think one of the most disappointing things in life is to talk to a child or a grandchild or a relative who has not the same interest in Jesus as you do. And they either turn a hostile ear or a deaf ear or they rejoice with you in what you're saying. How I love to get Christmas cards or phone calls from family members or close friends or church family that talks about the significance of Jesus in their own lives. And I celebrate Christmas with them. What a blessing it is. But how discouraging it is to hear something of a secular nature from those same people, those family, friends, and and loved ones, and neighbors, who when you talk about Jesus, they just turn you off, or turn aside, or sometimes it is a sharp tongue that lashes back at you for having even suggested that they come to know Christ. Mm. Well, that, my second question is, uh, what is your gift to Jesus this year? What is your ultimate gift? You know, the one thing that Jesus really wants is you. The reason why He came to this earth to begin with is because we, were, we are, we were, we will be sinners. We have all strayed from the grace of God. And it was the reason that God created us to be in fellowship with Him that Jesus had to come to begin with. So the season that He came, the time that He came, was to involve us in the work of redemption, the work of salvation, by knowing the Father through Him. It's difficult. What do we give Him in return? 
The Bible says you, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And that's what we offer Him. Do you offer the same thing to Jesus? Is this what you have committed to Him this Christmas season? Well, is it nothing to you all, all of you that pass by? What gift have you given Jesus this year? It's more than money. It's more than property. It's more than assets. Because they all remain behind after we leave planet Earth. What He really wants is you. That's the reason why He came. It's for you. We are the reason that Jesus came into, the, into this planet. Because we, through sin, through disobedience, were estranged from God. And God the Father loves you more than anything you can possibly comprehend and desires a relationship with you. But you can only find that relationship through His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. It's Him that we adore. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Come. Would you stand with me as we pray? With every head bowed, every eye closed, I just pray that today as we close out a, a calendar year, 2020, it's been such a strange year for so many of us. And yet I have seen the footsteps of Jesus everywhere. I've seen people turn their hearts over to Him. I've seen lives transformed. I've heard reports of, of Jesus' activity all over the world. God, you are so alive and well in this world. So thank you, Lord, for not only calling us into your purpose, but allowing us to be a part of your activity. Father, I pray if there's anyone in this audience who has just, for whatever reason, been hostile toward you, or maybe even apathetic, Father, I pray today that they will open their hearts. The greatest gift that you've given to man is your only begotten Son, Jesus, and the salvation that we find through Him. And Lord, I pray that those that are listening to this message will open their hearts. Anyone who has not received you as his or her personal Lord and Savior will do so now. Father, thank you. Be with us now. May we honor you. Father, if there are those that are are waiting baptism, who've never been baptized publicly, who've never been baptized by immersion, I just pray that today that they will offer themselves to you fully in surrender. And I pray that those who are looking for a church home will find it here, Lord Jesus, or wherever they're seeking it in their own community. Lord, be with them. Above all things, Father, the gold, the frankincense, the myrrh that was offered to you is us today. We offer ourselves, our lives, our mind, our soul, our bodies to you. Use us for your glory. And we want to be very careful to give you the praise for it all. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For each and every one of you, I'll be here at the end of the service to pray with you about any decisions that you might have. I'm also available to you all during the week. Just don't hesitate to give me a call. 
May God bless each and every one of you. Happy New Year.